0: is She Who Overcomes, the podcast where we help you transform your life, leadership, and career.
1: I'm Mandy B. Anderson. And I'm Rachel Perman. And we are your hosts. We believe that what you've overcome makes you a leader. With a little help from two experienced
0: coaches, that's us, you'll find the clarity and direction that you need to rise up, lead well, and live with intention. You were born to be an overcomer. So grab your coffee and let's hang out. Hey, Overcomers. Before we share this week's episode with you, we wanted to invite you to our brand new coaching program. Here's the thing. Becoming a resilient woman starts with a choice. And when life gets hard, it can be really easy to get angry at yourself, get angry at God, maybe even at the universe. And you find yourself wondering, didn't I already learn this lesson? Why
1: does this keep happening? But that's the exact moment that you have a choice to make. You can choose to stay bitter, you can choose to stay angry, or you can choose to no longer be a victim to your circumstances and rise up as that resilient overcomer that you know you were born to be. It's okay if you're taking it one day at a time right now. You might be a little sad or disappointed that you're walking through a familiar season again, or even a hard season that you never saw coming. But you are not a victim, and you can learn to rise up out of it. So girl, it's time to grab hold of your strength and your tenacity. The hard parts of your life and your career are going to make you a leader worth following. So it is time to find your courage, dear one. In our brand new coaching experience for
0: women called She Cultivates Resilience, we'll teach you the seven leadership principles that you need to know so you can develop, improve, and And refine your ability to adjust and recover readily from adversity and those major life changes. It's time to step into the shoes of a resilient woman, and we're here to guide you along the way. Session one begins on May 12th, and we have virtual and in person spots available, but they're very limited, so don't wait. Your registration includes a hardcover book and a hardcover journal. Find out more information and grab your spot today at www.raymateam.com. That's R-A-Y-M-A-T-E-A-M.com. Hey, Overcomers. Welcome to another episode of the She Who Overcomes podcast. Today, we have a guest with us from Denver, Colorado. And in case you didn't know, April is actually Financial Literacy Month and i know from asking listeners um over the years what kind of topics they want people have been telling me that they want topics on financial uh, health, financial planning, financial um, just help for creating a, a better future financially for themselves and their families. So I am super excited to have my new friend, Adam Lucas, joining us. He is a financial advisor with Northwestern Mutual. And Adam actually contacted me via LinkedIn because we have a commonality of living within the cystic fibrosis community. So, Adam, if you could share a little bit about yourself, what your connection to cystic fibrosis is, and how this has affected what you do in your career, I think that would be a great place to start before we dive into the actual topic of debunking the myths of financial planning.
2: Sure. Well, thanks for having me on, Mandy. I'm I'm very excited to be here as well. And and so, as you mentioned, we do share that commonality within the CF sphere. My wife has cystic fibrosis. And so, I was born and raised in Denver. I'm a Colorado native. And so, uh, in college, I met this wonderful lady uh, and learned a lot about cystic fibrosis from there on. So, uh, my wife, Emily, again, she was diagnosed as an infant. Um, and, and so, we got married in 2013 pretty quickly after we graduated from school. Um, and, and so again, like I said, I had a steep learning curve when it came to CF, but, um, you know, we really kind of saw the full effect of it as well because Emily's younger sister, Jessica passed away in 2014. She also had CF. Um, and so obviously, um, you know, that, that disease has really shaped, a lot of our, you know, our, our frame and our, our um, worldview, I guess, moving forward. Um, and really, it plays a lot into why I do what I do in the financial planning sphere. And so I guess just to give a little bit of extra background on that story, um, you know, we have some unique circumstances with Emily having CF. And, and I, I would say we aren't what you might call cookie cutter clients for a financial advisor. And so, you know, what I mean by that is because of CF, you know, it's great that there's all of this Progress being made in the way of therapy and and medical advancements, but we also know what the stats say. And that's that, you know, the average life expectancy for someone with CF is around 40 to 45 years old. And we're hopeful, of course, that that, that continues to grow over time. Um, but because of that, you know, Emily just turned 30 last month. And, and so, you know, we've always wanted to plan wisely for our future and be smart about our money, but we just didn't really know how, given those circumstances. And what we did know is that we weren't just going to shove all our money into retirement accounts that we couldn't touch until, you know, 60 or 65, because that just didn't make sense for us. Um, so when we sat down with the with the Northwestern Mutual Advisor for the first time, we were really open and honest about that right out of the gate. And, and he told us, hey, well, we build our plans individually. We custom tailor those to who we're meeting with. And that's exactly what they did. And they listened to us talk through our goals based on those circumstances, um, and then built a financial plan around that. And that was really impactful for Emily and me. Uh, and that really led me to wanting to pursue a career to help those that are you know similar to us in our shoes, affected by CF, and how they might be able to kind of wrap their arms around everything that they've got going on.
0: Absolutely i I was so inspired by um, hearing that part of your story because I don't think that I realized how much my mindset was probably following what Emily's was of you know um, you had shared with me before, kind of like I don't know if I want to you know plan for the future with retirement because. What if I'm not here? And I think that's I think that's an underlying belief, a an underlying um, maybe unspoken reality uh, that a lot of CFers maybe try to ignore or don't want to talk about. and so we don't plan for the future. And like you said, there are a lot of great um, advances in medicine that are you know prolonging our life and that life expectancy keeps getting moved further and further which kind of it's sometimes makes me mad because the moment that I reach the life expectancy they've moved it so it's it's like this <laughs> constant challenge but I really appreciated that point of view because I have always thought that um, financial planning was something that really was just about investments and and um, It took my husband and I getting out of six figures worth of debt to really realize, wait a minute, we have to pay attention to our finances and we can still build for our future, even though we we maybe haven't sat down and thought how far our future could be in the future. But um, it's something I think a lot of people can benefit from learning about financial planning. And I think a lot of people are scared of it if they haven't done it before, or if they're the type of personality that, you know, thinks a portfolio is just something for art, art people instead of, you know, an actual financial thing. So I'm really excited to have you dive into some of this. And, um, I know that this is, you know, this is probably not, you know, um, advice that works for everybody, but it's things to think about. So feel free if there are any, anything that you need to share with our listeners about, um, you know, maybe the difference between you, your company or another company. um, I think it's important to say that because I know there's a lot of regulations within the financial planning world. So, um, but let's, let's kind of dive into this. And as I'll probably have questions as we come along, because you you have put together three myths of debunking the myths of financial planning. And I see myself in all of these, to be honest. Um, I, as I look back, I can see it in my in my past of, oh, yeah, that used to be a thought that maybe I had, but didn't really know it was there until I started, you know, diving into. Getting out of debt and and building wealth and all of that. So what would you say is the number one myth that people need to realize is not true?
2: Yeah, great question. And I think I think probably the number one is that, well, I don't have enough money to have a financial advisor. that that financial planning is really only for the wealthy, for those people that have yachts and stuff like that. I think that's mm-hmm. probably the number one myth that I see.
0: I don't have enough money that, you know, I think that is also not only just a myth, but it is, um, it's like this limiting belief that people have because yeah. they think they need to make more money before they can do something about it. And even when it comes to getting out of debt, people always think, well, I need to make more money before I can ta- tackle that. And and when it comes to paying off debt, it actually comes down to um, making some sacrifices and not buying all the things and learning how to eat out of your pantry for a year and cook instead of eating out all the time. So dive into a little bit what this looks like of financial planning um, isn't only for the wealthy. So what are some of the, the words of wisdom that you can share with people on that?
2: Sure. Well, Mandy, you just made a really interesting point in terms of, you know, digging out of debt yourself. And like you said, it's not something that you just snap your fingers overnight and all of a sudden you figure it out. I would argue that, you know, 90% of financial planning is about building habits. Okay. And so even if you're just starting your career, you're still building wealth. And over time, your income is probably on an upward trajectory. So those checks, they'll continue piling up. Promotions might come sooner than you think. You know, Then you kind of come to those big life crossroads, like getting married or having kids. And, and so the point being, your overall financial picture is going to grow more and more complex over time. And a financial planner can help you make sense of that along the way. And so as it relates to me, you know, I like to think of financial planning kind of like my GPS. You know, generally speaking, when I jump in the car, I I know where I'm going and I know how to get there, but I still use a GPS anyways, in case there's something like an accident or construction on the road that I may have not been ready for. Right. And there's maybe another route that I need to be taking. And if I hadn't planned ahead and used a GPS, probably wouldn't have known about whatever roadblock there may have been. So using that GPS just reassures me that I'm taking the most efficient route, regardless of what's ahead of me.
0: I I love how you said that. 90% of financial planning is building habits. For all of my overcomers that are listening to this, you need to write that down and post it somewhere where you can see it. You need to make it into a, a quotable picture that you see because it really is. It's building habits. And people have had habits that have gotten them into the situations they are in financially, whether they're good or bad. And if you've built habits that have been bad, that's proof that you have the ability to build habits that are good. Even yes. even the habit of getting guidance.
2: Yeah. You know, Manny. I, I kind of like to think of myself and I tell my clients this often that I, I like to think of myself as, as like a personal trainer, but with your finances. And so when you show up to the gym, if you go by yourself, you know, you're relying on what, you know, a, a workout plan that you got from a friend or something that you looked up online and you might walk in and be overwhelmed and just be like, okay, well, which weights do I grab? How much do I grab? Right. Whereas if you go in with a trainer, they're going to have a specific regimen and say, Hey, we're going to line this out for you. We're going to always push you to lift more weight or save more money. Right. But we're going to do it to make sure you have the proper technique, make sure you're not going to hurt yourself. Right. That you don't lift too much all at once. Um, and again, I think that it's building that muscle, that savings muscle. Right. And that's what I mean when I say building habits, that that honestly more than anything is, is the biggest key to financial planning Mm
0: -hmm. for somebody that, um, has had health issues. Like when, when you have cystic fibrosis, you, you're always going to have to pay for some sort of medicine and it's always going to be pretty high until you meet your deductible. If you have, if you have good, um, if you, if you have health insurance, which hopefully you do, um, what, what are some of the things that have really made a difference in your life, with you and Emily um, when it comes to being able to not only build for the future, have the lifestyle you want now, but also still make sure that there is money for medicine.
2: Sure. Well, I think, you know, you, you had touched on something earlier where, where you talked about, you know, the mindset of, of, you know, someone with CF who's saying, Hey, I might not, there's a chance I might not be here, you know, when I'm 60 or 65. And I think, you know, it may sound cliche, but any of us could say that, right? Mm-hmm. And and my wife Emily, she had to have a very candid conversation with me um, a couple years ago where she basically admitted, you know, it's really hard for me to even imagine or visualize me making it to retirement age, you know. And that I think that took a lot of courage and bravery for her to admit that because it's not a fun conversation to have. Um, but I will say too to your point with some of those medical advances that we've seen with Trikafta and some of these different things that have come out over the last several years, I think it has trained her mind a little bit to have more of a forward thinking perspective, while still understanding the reality that we live in every day, you know, and and so. I think one thing that's really helped us is is just having a safety net, right? I think that oftentimes right now, I'm a millennial, so this is not meant to sound (laughs) degrading towards millennials, but I think there's that stigma of instant gratification within Mm -hmm. the millennial generation. And what I would say is that, again, going back to the idea of habits, right? Those are built over time, okay? It's not something where you just figure it out right away. And so building a safety net, having an emergency fund and being really conservative with that emergency fund has been really helpful for Emily and I, because to your point, Mandy, we do have expenses that come up, you know, she'll get a bill in the mail for something where insurance we thought it was going to cover it and it didn't. And then there's a, you know, several thousand dollar bill that we just got that we weren't necessarily planning for. And that's above and beyond just the standard, you know, her Mm -hmm. appointments and, you know, just, so I think having that safety net and having an emergency fund that we know that it's there, but we keep it kind of hidden away from us intentionally so that we're not tempted to to, um, go in and spend that money. Um, I think that that has been really useful for us uh, just to have that peace of mind that, hey, if that, you know, whatever expense comes up, we've already planned ahead for it.
0: Mm -hmm. So one tip that I want to share personally with um, with listeners is if, if and this applies whether you have cystic fibrosis or you have another sort of health issue that you're dealing with. There's no shame in reaching out into organizations that are set up to help people with your disease to help pay medical bills. Um, One of the things that is great about living in North Dakota is there's an organization called the Cystic Fibrosis Association of North Dakota, and they are set up to help CF families in... I I know it's North Dakota. It might actually be the tri-state area right now, but they help you pay for medical bills. And it's not a a one-time thing. It resets every year. So you get up to a certain limit and whatever insurance doesn't pay, they will pay a percentage back of that. And um, it really is a big help because it helps you be able to still, you know, work on building that safety net and also still build for your future outside of just the medical bills. So I want to encourage people to do their research and ask questions of, um, your doctors or your, um, even, even other people that you know who have the same disease as you because there are programs like that that are not just limited to one state. There are some that are limited to a certain disease or a certain area and look into it to find out what... Um, I know even the Cystic Fibrosis Foundation, I think, has, has services where they will help pay back certain supplements or something like that. So look into it because... There is no shame in getting help, and I think um, I have known people who have had to be on remicade, and that is almost as expensive as some of the CF medicine that I'm on, and they didn't get get help with it, and they were having to send money into collections every year and then they finally had a conversation with somebody and and were told hey you can actually get reimbursed for that and it made all the difference. So um when you are looking at this idea of building wealth does not mean it's only for the the people that are already wealthy. Look into those resources too because that is a big part of it I think when you do have any type of underlying health issues. So um so the first myth that we are debunking is that financial planning is only for the wealthy. The second one, you you typed it like this, DIYers don't pay fees, so they come out ahead. Dive into this one, Adam, because um, I I know what you mean by this. And I know that there are a lot of people out there who are like, I can just learn how to do it myself. But give us some guidance on this. What, what do you mean by that? Why is that well, a myth? It-
2: yeah. Well, and the short answer, Manny, is you probably can learn to do it yourself, but I kind of think about this the same way that I think about my car, right? We talked about the GPS earlier. So I'll go back to that same analogy. You know, I take my car to a mechanic when it needs a tune-up or an oil change. And I go see the doctor for checkups to make sure I stay in good health. You know, could I YouTube it and figure out how to change my own oil? Probably, but is it going to take me more time? And do I trust that I wouldn't make a mistake no, I, I would probably make a mistake there. And so, you know, when it comes to our finances, I think oftentimes people don't seek the same kind of professional help. Um, and my goal with all of my clients is to match actions to objectives. You know, really financial planning is, is about helping you make the most of your money so that you can balance the life that you want both now and in the future. And so when a financial advisor is is planning with you, they'll ask you a lot of questions about where you are now and where you want to be. And then they'll work with you to put together a plan to help get you there. Now, the second point that I want to make within that too, and this goes back to that idea of being a a kind of a trainer, right? I think another area where an advisor can really help is with coaching. So Vanguard did a study uh, a a few years back, and, and they looked at the years 2002 to 2016. And they said that the average investor who goes it alone, they're often affected by emotion, Okay? meaning that they're going to buy and sell their investments based off of what they're hearing in the news. Okay. So let's rewind 12 months. What happened in March, right? COVID was, was spreading across the world. People panicked and they sold out of their investments. Right? So that, again, there's, there's a lot of emotional reaction there. And so if the market is going down, they'll try to cut their losses or if the market is going up, they'll try to chase gains. And so what that study found is that that strategy tends to be detrimental to long-term success. Now, In that same study, Vanguard listed the value adds of having an advisor, and that list included utilizing tax-efficient strategies or or getting professional advice on how they should be invested, and there were a couple other things in there. But far and away, the biggest value add was behavioral coaching and, and essentially not letting those emotions dictate your planning decisions. So if we want to use another analogy, think about a plane and a pilot. Can the plane fly itself? Yeah, if the sky is clear, autopilot going to do everything it needs to do, right? But you want to train a professional in the cockpit if if the sky gets bumpy and if turbulence comes up.
0: Mm-hmm. So I I never told you this, but when I was working on my life coaching certification, one of the advanced certifications that you could get was to be a financial coach, and so this was back in twenty. 20- 14, I think. So I went through that program and I, I technically have that certification and they talked a lot about um, what you can and can't do because it it I think in the coaching world it was probably a little bit of a gray line because there are so many regulations within the financial planning industry. and now that certification isn't available anymore. So I'm guessing that the financial planning world, you know, put the kibosh on that to make sure that that the people that were doing it were were certified across the board, who so that they could fully help their clients. Because it it is something if if you're getting coaching on um, investing, like which was technically not something I could do, but it was it was helping people wrap their mind around those mindsets of of how to build for their future and how to find the right planner for them. Um, but. Y- being able to provide that coaching, I think, is invaluable. Is that something that you do um, outside of just helping with investing? Like, do you have a certain, a different service for financial coaching versus um, investing, or is it kind of just a lump something where you um, sit down and, and see what they need?
2: Yeah, it, it, that, it's a great question. And, and really, I would say it's kind of wrapped all into one. And so, my role is not only to be the advisor and help allocate investments or help shore up the defensive side of the plan whatever it may be but it is also to have that behavioral coaching aspect of it to ensure that when things are going you know crazy in the market which happens from time to time that people don't try to you know panic and say oh my gosh this isn't what I you know was hoping for I see my investments going down okay well let's you know let's kind of refocus here and let's remember why we did what we did right we mm-hmm. picked a goal and we said hey let's attach you know, some, let's give some dollars a job to help you get from A to B, so. Mm-hmm.
0: I I really appreciate that you said, you know, this is an emotional thing because money is an emotional thing. I a lot of people don't realize it, but if you look at your spending habits, you will realize when you are, you know, helping out your emotions and fixing your emotions by buying things or by buying food like it's not just material things it's we we are emotional eaters as human beings and we do that through money and so i think that's a really good thing that listeners should think about is what are your emotional money habits that you might need some help with and, and who are the people you can reach out to? And if you don't know somebody, you're listening to one right now, because yeah. just because Adam is in Colorado, that does not mean that you are um, stuck within those borders, does it?
2: No, not at all. I have clients all over the country. So
0: Awesome. All right. So the first myth that we are debunking is that financial planning is only for the wealthy. It is not. The second one is that DIYers don't pay fees. So they come out ahead. He just gave some great guidance on that. And what would you say is the third myth that people need to stop believing?
2: Yeah, this was actually something, Mandy, that you mentioned right out of the gate, which is that financial planning only means investing or help with investing. And so, you know, ultimately, as I mentioned in, in kind of that last block there, that, that my goal is to match actions to objectives. And so whenever I meet with somebody for the first time, really the end game is to balance your dreams with your financial obligations and everyday expenses so that you can enjoy the life that you want now, but also the one that you want in the future. And so to help ensure that you're making progress and staying on track, a good financial advisor is is gonna meet with you on a regular, semi-regular basis, depending on what your financial needs will be at any point in your life, because it's, it's probably gonna change, right? And so if you're going through a big life change, like getting married or growing your family, or even if you're just about to cross the finish line and retire, you know, then then you may have to make adjustments to your budget or your investments, your estate plan, you know, that, that whole comprehensive part of, of the picture. So, a financial advisor can help bring all of those pieces kind of into one setting. Um, and they can also take a look at the big picture and, and see where you might need to put measures in place to help protect your family or your assets or your income. So, playing some defense along with the offensive side of planning being investing. So, For for example, he or she, you know, this advisor can help determine if you've got enough life insurance to cover your family's expenses in the event that something happens to you, or if you've got enough disability insurance to replace your income if you became too sick or injured to work. So, you know, I like to think of a financial advisor as the person in your life who can help keep you accountable on money matters, both big and small, while giving you kind of the Bird's eye view are the big picture of where your finances stand now and where they can help you go in the future. So, I guess to kind of wrap all that up, yes, investing is absolutely one of the most fun parts of financial planning, too, but there's a lot of other topics within a comprehensive plan um, that, that I think, you know, even just going back to several years before I was in this industry myself, I thought the same thing. Hey, you know, financial planning, that means investing in the market. Yes, but. Right. There's a lot more to it than mm-hmm. that. And I think a good financial advisor is going to reframe the conversation and say, okay, yeah, we've got this going on over here. We've got some investments over here, but why? What's the goal attached to it? And how are you set up on the defensive side of things that if life throws you a curveball, how are you set up as well on, on, on kind of the defensive side? So making sure that we're balancing, um, you know, needs on, on both sides of the plan.
0: Mm-hmm. And life always throws curveballs right? I I know part of the story with my husband and I is a decade, well, over a decade ago, 11 years ago now, um, we lost our home to an apartment fire and we lost everything we owned. um, And we were not great at keeping track of our financial life at that point. Like we were aware of the fact that we were in debt. We were diligently getting out of debt, but when it came to things like life insurance or, um, renter's insurance, we had actually missed the deadline to renew. Um, we missed the grace period by 30 days. So not only did we miss the deadline, we missed the grace period of the deadline. So we had no insurance for that. And it was, um, it was really challenging to build back from that. We had a lot of people that um, lovingly gave us money and helped us get back on our feet. Some of them, we never met. Um, the The people that we were learning from to get out of debt had conferences and there were people at these conferences from around the world. And so we had people from Africa sending us money to help us get back on our feet. And that was a really humbling experience but it was also a very eye-opening experience because it taught us that, wow, we need, to, we need to get on the ball. We need to have a plan for tracking our money. We need to have a plan for tracking our insurances. We need to have a plan for having a budget. And I know from, from working with, um, with women in business, these are things that scare women, sometimes is getting, getting, um, a pulse on your money. And it's those things where if you, if you're not somebody who, um, just easily navigates money and planning and budgeting or, you know, QuickBooks or anything like that, it's the thing you put last on your plate to deal with in business or even in your personal finances. And I just want to encourage everybody listening to me that if that has been you, let's stop that. Like let's stop that now and let's come up with a plan and make the choice to be serious about honoring our finances and being diligent with them and stewarding them well. So I would imagine that if you meet with people, Adam, who are, um, like meeting with them for the first time, if they don't have a clue about where their finances are, the conversation can't really go anywhere, can it? Well, and,
2: and and I think that that's, again, really that first conversation is is more a goal planning conversation than mm-hmm. anything, because I'm not going to come into that conversation to just make kind of some, you know, blanket recommendations, because I don't know if they're relevant to your situation or your world. And so really, first of all, I think reframing the conversation, to just understand, hey, what is it that you're planning for? What do you want to be planning for? Whether we're talking something personally, or, you know, do you want to start a business? Do you want to go on vacation? Do you want to start education planning for your kids, whatever it may be? And oftentimes we do, you know, I, I hear that all the time where people say, you know, I've been meaning to do this for years and years and I just, it it got put on the back burner and it was, it was mm-hmm. kind of one of those, you know, out of sight, out of mind and it was easy to ignore Um, and so, you know, I think first of all, it's understanding where you are Mm -hmm. to then reframe the conversation of where are you going and how can we get you there in the most efficient way. Mm
0: -hmm. And I think everybody has different, different goals. They have different priorities. Some people love to spend money. Some people love to save. Some people have to work really hard to save money and, and still, um, spend, you know, in a way that can make them feel like they're not, um, not suffocating their their lifestyle. I had a friend of mine who was talking me through this. Um, we we were just sharing financial experiences, and uh, he he asked me how many pairs of shoes I had.
1: <laughs>
0: now, people on my podcast know that that or on the podcast know that I love shoes. And I love stilettos. And I think at the t- at the time of the fire, I know I had a hundred pairs of shoes. Now I think I had counted. Um, it was this summer, like last summer, when this conversation happened, and I think I had counted maybe thirty pairs. So I've definitely learned how to scale down. And he was asking what the average price. Of this pair of shoes was. And I, I said, Oh, most of them are probably right around 50, maybe 70. I try to buy them on sale. So I'm not paying full price. You know, I've learned. Um, and then he added it all up and said, I can't even remember the amount of money he said, but it was quite, I mean, several thousand dollars worth that he said you could have had. And I'm thinking, but I love shoes. Like I've learned how to not have a hundred pairs. Isn't that okay? So I think, I think my point is you don't have to squelch that, um, part of you where, um, you might have to, for a little bit, you might have to learn how to rein in your shopping habits. If you are getting out of debt and learning how to budget and learning how to build for your future, but you do need to have a fun budget. You do need to let yourself, um, Indulge in the things that you enjoy in life and we all enjoy different things. Some people enjoy traveling. Some people enjoy having things. So um, I, I really appreciate the fact that you look at this as I want to know what your goals are.
2: Well, and, and I just relate it back to myself, right? I would be hypocritical if I didn't approach it the same way that we do with our own plan. And that's to say that, you know, again, travel is is really important to Emily and me. We love to travel together. And so because of our circumstances, we want to make sure that we're able to take advantage of that while we're young and while we're both healthy. And, you know, again, who knows what's going to happen over time, right? But we don't want to be the people that, hey, we 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 always put planning and saving on the back burner. And so now I'm 75 and I don't have anything saved up and I still have to work for the rest Mm -hmm. of my life because I never saved, right? But on the flip side of that, I don't want to create savings robots out of my clients either where they can't enjoy their life today either. And so I I fully buy into and and absolutely believe in the idea of having a balance between enjoying your life today, but still having the, the foresight to know that there is a future that I do need to plan for. Right. Mm -hmm. And so, again, you're not just going to get to your savings goals overnight. Right. But just Mm -hmm. taking that first step and starting somewhere. I think the first step is the hardest step. And so if you can do that and if you need to you know, reach out to a resource, talk to somebody that, you know, whether Mm -hmm. it's me or somebody else. Right. Just reach out to someone and say, hey, here's what we're thinking. Right. Here's what we want to be planning for. How are we doing? Right. Because oftentimes, too, really, that first conversation is just saying, hey, let's be a second set of eyes on what you got going on and see if there's any areas where I can help you.
1: Mm hmm.
0: Awesome. Well, Adam, thank you so much for being on the show today. Where can my listeners connect with you if they want to initiate a conversation from here?
2: Sure. So my website is my name. So it's adamlucas.nm, like NorthwesternMutual.com. So that's adamlucas.nm.com. You can also find me on LinkedIn. um, But I think those are probably the two easiest places. My contact information is on both of those.
0: Awesome, and I will make sure to put that link as well as your um, your LinkedIn link and your website link in the show notes as well, so you guys can go ahead and just click on that um, if you are on that page. So, well, Adam, I wish you the best. Thank you so much for taking the time to share your expertise um, and to share your story. I I really hope that um, it inspires everybody that listens. It's inspired me. I think. Um, one of the myths, if I was going to have a fourth one is that I would have to, you know, sacrifice my present financial life in order to build for the future. And it's encouraging to know that that doesn't have to be the case. You can, you know, plan for the future and still plan for the life that you want now as well. And so I really appreciate um, what I feel is a fresh take on financial planning. That's not always something that I hear. Um, when I am looking online at different LinkedIn profiles or anything like that. Um, And it's not to say that they're not saying it. It's just not what I'm seeing at first. So thank you for sharing that. And like I said, Overcomers, reach out to him or if you already know somebody who's in financial planning, be brave enough to start that conversation. It's just a conversation and it's going to open up a whole a whole new world of possibilities for you. So thanks for listening. We will be back next week with another episode for you.
1: Hey guys, thanks again for listening. Before you go, would you mind doing us a favor? We would love to hear your takeaways. So please leave us a review and a comment. You might just hear your name in a future episode when you do.
0: This show is produced by Rayma Team Media. A division of Rayma Team LLC. If you'd like to learn more about how you can work with us, visit Raymateam.com. That's www.raymateam.com. All right, our coffee is cold, so we gotta go. See you next week.